We just live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. <laughs> Suck it, Toronto. To think that, that a season is championship or championship is, is um, certainly the way we've approached it. To the Miami Heat fans, it was, uh, you're despicable people, and I hope I never hear from you again. Milwaukee, we dogs! James Harden is a massive choker, and he is a bum. Bum. Finals MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Bogdan Bogdanovich. Karma. Karma, bitch. Chris, you did it, huh? Hello and welcome to the Brew Hoop Podcast. I'm Adam Paris, co-managing editor of brewhoop.com, joined as per usual by Riley Feldman and Kyle Carr. Fellas, how are we doing? We're doing really good. We had a week away, but not really because I had the opportunity to see Kyle Carr co-host the Brew Hoop Podcast in the flesh up here in St. Paul. Uh, He came up for a wedding that was in Stillwater and he had some time to kill. And we went to brunch, we went to downtown Minneapolis, we went to downtown St. Paul. And folks, let me tell you, firsthand experience, don't let Kyle's humble, I guess he's not super humble, but humble demeanor (laughs) fool you, because this guy was living like a king in downtown St. Paul in the most happening spot in town with an overlook of like the best park where all the bars are. I had no idea until I saw it for myself in the flesh, the kind of castle that Kyle was living in. So I enjoyed that tour down uh, memory lane with Kyle, and otherwise it's been good by me. Yeah, it, it was a good time. And yes, um, my apartment was definitely, I when I signed the lease, I was living a single life. That was the plan. And when I moved in, I was not, but it was still a great time. So I... <laughs> You, you, you got to take full advantage of it. If you're going to if you're gonna freshly graduate from college, you're going to be reckless and live right in the middle of a city. That That is my life motto. Kyle um, was bragging that other people around the area would be like, oh, Kyle's downtown living. <laughs> like he's, <laughs> he's on this different plane of existence, which to be fair, he was. Uh, so good for you, Kyle. We're happy. You know, in hindsight, once we walked through, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff going on. Like I didn't re- like. I knew there was a lot, but I didn't realize to the full extent <laughs> mm-hmm. until we re-walked over that. I was like, yeah, no, that explains a lot of decisions I made at 23, 22, 23, 24 years old. Great time. Love St. Paul. And it was a good time hanging out. So, yes, we got excellent breakfast. Went to the Blackheart Bar, which was fantastic. Um, great dive bar area. So, yeah, it was a good time. How are you, Adam? <laughs> I'm doing. I mean, I I can't live up to that at as all. I got a lot of FOMO. The dive bar. Thinking about Kyle just living it up in his early twenties. I mean, I I can't think of anyone who's going to be living that large. Um, besides perhaps Bobby Portis, who now is a four year, forty nine million dollar member of the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, we're going to talk about free agency here. For the most part, the Bucks seem to have just chosen to run it back. So they brought back Bobby on the four year, forty nine million dollar deal. Uh, I think he also has like a 15% trade kicker and a fourth year player option. So that's basically uh, makes it harder, obviously, to deal him. Uh, Wes Matthews back on a one year deal. Javon Carter, two year deal, second year player option, the usual John Horst deal. Late arrival to the Bucks coming back. A surprise, Sergi Baca as well has chosen to come back. I don't think any of us were predicting that at all. The one new addition we've gotten basically so far is Joe Ingles on a one-year $6.5 million deal that came almost as soon, pretty soon after free agency period finally started. That's the taxpayer mid-level, essentially the one avenue the Bucks had to add someone else. So it, in totality, Kyle, you saw free agency was basically done within the first hour for the Bucks. What, what, now we're, we're, what, week and a half from it? What are your initial thoughts on the, on the whole deal? I mean, once uh, Bobby Portis, it was announced that he had that deal. I was like, I don't care about the rest of free agency because that was the move. Like if Milwaukee could have done absolutely nothing, but if they had brought back Bobby Portis, that would have been good enough. That would have been a win for John Horace. I think that would have been it would have given Bucks fans some grace. Uh, The ownership would have gotten a little bit more grace from Bucks fans because we saw this last year with Bobby deciding to take the cheaper deal. You think, okay, we're gonna get, you're going to get P.J. Tucker. That doesn't work out. Bucks fans get pissed off because it sounds like it was 
because it was more their end than PJ Tucker deciding. So then you go into this year, and it's like, okay, pay Bobby. Like, if Bobby wants to take more money and go somewhere else, okay, fine. But Milwaukee cannot, like, try and shortchange this man. And he didn't, and they didn't. So it was good to see him get his deal. So that was a nice thing to see within the first hour. Um, Wes coming back, one-year deal, whatever. I mean, he somehow has shown he still can be a decent option, um, especially on the defensive side for Milwaukee. So, okay, that's fine. Javon Carter coming back was slightly surprising, I guess more because I didn't know if Milwaukee was just going to decide, okay, we don't need this guy. It like it sounded like they were going to bring him back, but was he going to take the minimum? Was he going to try and maybe get more money somewhere else? So the fact that he has this second-year player option, whatever. Serge Ibaka coming back, I did not see coming. When I saw that, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> like I did, That was probably, out of all the moves, that was the one I was like, why? <laughs> it didn't seem like like it didn't seem like Ibaka had much of a role in Milwaukee, and it didn't seem like Milwaukee had much use for him. So why like if if it was just as simple as you know what it's job security for Serge Ibaka, and you know like get your money, okay? But that move still confuses me, and maybe it's just more of a they might have seen what happened last year with Brooke Lopez, and they just said God forbid if Brooke gets hurt again. We need to have someone that can come in and fill that like lane and not just like put more burden on Bobby and Giannis. That's the only thing I can think of, but I, I was surprised. And then Joe Ingles coming in. I would have I was someone that said Milwaukee probably needed another uh ball like good ball handler behind Drew because George Hill might be fine in the regular season, but come playoff time, that's not really the most reliable option. So when they're getting Joe Ingles, who I guess I mean yeah, he's like I know he, he. I don't know how he's gonna look since he tore his ACL. So I think it's kind of more of a Rodney Hood kind of situation where it's like, okay, you just hope that he can show some form of life on the offensive end, and we're just gonna write him off as a complete loss defensively, and that's all he can really hope for at this point. But I would have liked if they had brought up Paul Handler. Uh. A lot of agreements. The like guys who all got minimum deals. It's funny because it's like either we promised them playing time or they had zero market out there, and they're like, "Well, I'll just take the veteran minimum slight raise that I get year after year, or whatever." Like, <laughs> like should it be encouraging that Serge Ibaka chose to Serge Ibaka, like renowned man of like international mystery and fashion, everything, decided to come back to Milwaukee? You know, like there were no other offers out there really to like a slightly more. <laughs> exciting you know i guess that's maybe a little concerning uh you know like the one deal that i'm happy for is bobby uh obviously happy he gets paid uh it's like whatever the life-changing money or whatever he gets make up for that deal like with the knicks or whoever it was or maybe the wizards whoever it was that he passed on their extension and then bet on himself essentially so i'm glad he made that up uh it should even with the i mean i don't know does a 15 percent trade kicker does it kick in once the team receives and then his annual salary after that is like increased 15%? Is that essentially how it works? I don't know how it functionally works. I thought it was like, uh, you have to do it like extra money to take him on maybe for that. Oh, like when you do the transaction. Okay. But I, I don't know. I'll look it up. You keep talking. Well, so you're, you're right that it could make him a little bit more difficult to trade, but as we're seeing with a lot of deals out there, I mean, there's so much money flowing around a lot of different cap sheets and stuff like that, where even with a kicker, sure, it makes him a little bit more difficult, but if you're starting at like an 11 or $12 million annual value or so, um, maybe it's still not out of the realm of possibility to trade him uh, down the road. Wes, fine, whatever. He's probably going to end up starting at the two for us again, which is hilarious. Javon, I'm glad he's back. Um, I thought for sure that he was going to, he would boost off of this to get a little bit more money somewhere else, but I'm glad he's back. We're of two, there are two positions you could take with the way that horse went about it. One, it's like, oh, we were so close. Chris doesn't get injured. We were on our way to the finals again. And maybe we wouldn't have beaten the Warriors, but who knows? At least we would have gotten there. Uh, so it's like, okay, makes sense. Let's run it back. The core. Giannis, Chris, Drew are not like totally out of it whatsoever. They're all like still within their primes. All makes sense. The negatives aspect is like, well, every literally everyone besides Bobby Portis and like Javon Carter, Javon's not going to play and Bobby's up or down on his situational matchups. 
uh, all those guys are super old as hell. Like we we continue to get older as the years goes on uh, with our taxpayer mid level. We're like, let's go for a really old guy who has a torn ACL and was already not a defensive stopper uh, previously. You know, I think they're looking at the premium of offense there. I just I understand that the the biggest issue is like it takes us having interest and the other player we'd be courting to have interest in us as well. And so maybe when we go out and we look at what that, if we filter down, like who are the guys who would be interested in coming here at this amount? Um, maybe Joe Ingles is the best of a lot of bad options. Now we were able to sell these other guys on coming back, but I, I just wonder, I would just love to know like who else we were looking at or who else might've been realistic. Cause some of the guys we were talking about beforehand, in like their mid to late twenties, they were going for like really big deals. Like, okay, this guy hasn't done anything in like two or three years. And yet the magic, of course, pay him like a crazy annual value. Like they brought back Mo Bamba and Gary Harris. Like, okay, I guess we were out of the sweepstakes before we even got started. Cause we just weren't able to match that. So um, I guess I'm concerned about the age thing. Uh, we, we've, we've done the old guy thing. Everybody's getting older. At some point we're going to have to roll off of it. Uh, we have a great training staff, but you know, if when you're 35, you're still kind of 35. Like Kyle Corver is like, oh, maybe he'll be able to do something. He wasn't. He was still. I mean, he was 40, so it's a little bit different. But these guys are all getting older, so I guess I'm just concerned about that mostly. But I'm on the outside. What am I supposed to say? I have no idea who else we were looking at. So I did look up the the trade kicker thing. So it does increase his annual salary by that amount. And the bucks are obligated to pay that extra 15% for the duration of his salary while the other team take pays his standard amount. So interesting. Okay. So yeah, which is, which is crazy because I'm pretty sure that trade, there's a trade kicker on like Bradley Beal's new deal, which I didn't quite understand, but that is an insane thing to have the trade kicker for him and the no trade clause. Cause that would be, that's a lot of money that that man is making right now. Yeah. So it's kind of like a tool for the team that's signing you to be like, look, even if you end up becoming expendable, we can pay you more on down the line or whatever. So, okay. That's an interesting tool. Obviously that would come down to ownership being able, willing to like pay a lot more. Um, but yeah. Okay. Interesting. So I, it's, it, it is really interesting. Like you said, Riley, to look at the the crop because very clearly John Horst looked at the team last year and was like, yeah, I think we would have won it all. He's like, damn, I, I did a good job last year. <laughs> like, let's go for it again. It kind of seems that way, right? Like, I I mean, this is essentially, this is pretty close to what happened after they lost to the Raptors, right? Like, they, they basically ran it back. I can't remember who, if they added almost anyone major that the year after the Raptors run. I guess not. Like, Dante was healthy that, that next year. And a bigger contributor, but that was about it. And they basically just ran it back and said we were really close. And I mean, they might have been, were it not for the you know bubble. We don't know how that would have figured out, but it, it it will be very interesting to see because we saw how that fizzled out down the line. This time they're betting again on some older people. the The thing about the Joe Ingles thing, I mean, I I wrote on the website why why, why I think it it is a smart enough bet. Part of the reason is um, contextually. I do think that the team has a pretty decent history in terms of um, people coming back specifically from ACL tears. They have like one of the best in the league and in Suti Hobson at that. So you can sort of know, okay, let's bake that in. Let's get this guy in earlier. Let's not wait. Hopefully that will help like make sure that he recovers properly. We just saw a, you know, a a 33 year old seven footer with a back injury. That seems like about as, as bad as anything could possibly get. And he came back and looked pretty good. So I think there's some stuff to give you optimism. There's obviously plenty of reasons to be a little bit skeptical of what he's going to look like. I think the one other thing is, even if there are, and there will be, I'm sure, large defensive deficiencies, you probably look a little bit at last year's team and say, okay, defense is an issue. You can see that you'll they'll pick on players. I would say it most came to roost in game six when Jason Tatum like went off. But that was like one of the... You know, he did well as the series went on, but like game six specifically, that was like the game that if the buck that the Bucks really should have won if they wanted to close it out. It was Giannis was doing his his damnedest and then um, you know, nobody else showed up. So you need at least someone to have some sort of offensive pulse. And I think making a bet on someone potentially having some offensive upside 
seems okay given Joe Ingles has like a few more skills than just shooting, which they've done in the past. So I thought it was an okay bet, even if, like you said, Riley, there are lots of reasons to be skeptical about kind of going the old person route. I mean, when the news came across, you can only imagine how underwhelmed my facial expression was. <laughs> I was just like, and then I was like, okay, okay. I was like, it's all good. We sign him for the veteran minimum because he's old as shit and he doesn't have a knee. And then they were like, we paid him $6.5 million. I was like, that's not what I was expecting the number to be. So I was a little underwhelmed when the news came across. I thought he was going to retire. I had no idea he was going to be in the league anymore. And then they're like, oh, he's coming to Milwaukee. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I guess that's, that's fine. I'm, you know, it, the like weak defender thing, so long as Budenholzer is able to structure the lineup around him, we can generally like absorb that for the most part. Now, if it's a guard, I think that's a little bit more difficult because we saw with Brent Forbes two years ago, saw with Grayson this past year. Um, if you're not strong at the point of attack, then that the like it cascades down and then problems really start going. Cause it's like, well, now we have to throw two defenders at this. And now we, now we're kind of scrambling all over the place. So maybe because of Ingles' size, um, you might be able to hide them on like power forwards or something. I like, you know, it'll be a dependent, but maybe that won't be that bad. And yes, if he's a great passer, if he makes his threes, like all that has upside. Um, I just at my immediate take was like, that's super underwhelming for, the possibility and it maybe he'll prove me wrong but i'm sure it'll probably be like a middling outcome and ultimately it's going to still come down to are chris Jr. and Giannis, are they like capable or can they stand up and raise everybody else around them so he fills a very specific need for what we would need on offense um and that's fine i guess we'll we'll just kind of see how it goes but yeah i was like i said i was pretty underwhelmed when it first came across the wire yeah i I was someone I was like, okay, get younger. That was always like, you need to get younger. You need, you need to get more athletic as we've seen, like other than the Warriors, like a lot of the teams that got better, it, like that have progressed more. Miami is an exception because I don't know how Miami gets away with it, but as we see, it doesn't pan out, but you know, Boston still has a relatively younger core. You see Chicago get better because they have a relatively younger core. You see out West where a team like Phoenix, they, do have a younger core and they were dominant in the regular season and it just didn't work out. But you see Dallas, you see all these other teams where it's like, okay, they have young players that are contributing. It's like, okay, I would hope that Milwaukee would kind of try and bet on, you know, end of the roster guys being young guys that could be proven. Instead we're, it is kind of feeling like the, like going into 2019 into the bubble. It's like, all right, we're going to run it back and it's going to be fine. It's like, well, there's still concerns at who the two guards going to be because you you got Grayson Allen who yes he can shoot but if he can't hit a shot he's a defensive disaster. You got Wes Matthews where yeah that's he's defensively doing well but are you sure he's going to be able to do that again another year older? I don't know. And then you have George Hill as your backup ball handler again. It's like not great for postseason. Like and then we have Joe Ingles and it's like okay and then you have. It's really putting a strain. And yes, when you have Giannis, Andrew, and Chris all healthy, then that makes things a little bit easier. But I do have some concerns where it's like, okay, I get where you're going with this because you want guys that are proven commodities. But at the same time, what's going to happen? Again, if one of those three get injured, then what? You're going to have to hope that God forbid it's not Giannis, because at least we see with Giannis, you can get probably to a game seven, possibly even win if your team doesn't absolutely miss every shot that they take. You can at least get to the conference finals and probably even had beat Miami in that circumstance. But it is kind of like banking on some of these guys that, yeah, they'll help you in the regular season. And maybe that's what the goal is, is get us to the regular, get us through the regular season. And then we have Giannis, we have Chris, we have Drew we'll have Brooke and we have Bobby like, and we got Pat, like we have our six guys and then seven and eight might just be a toss up. Who knows? But at least we know we have these set of guys that can get us through the postseason. If we get there, we just need to make sure that they're not completely dead by the time we get there. And maybe that's what horse is trying to bank on. And yeah, seeing the market, it's like, there wasn't much better. Like, yes, they could have gotten other players. Like maybe they could have gotten someone else, but at the same time, the be- the top free agent like the free agent everyone wanted was Jalen Brunson who is pretty good but like that's not saying much about this free agent market it's not like there was you know 
franchise changer like star players that were out there. This is this what it is really is it's not the Joe Engel signing itself. It's the culmination of everything else going around the team. Because when you are a team that's hitting contender status, you need to have either like a one A, one B guy who are roughly the same age and they're like they're good enough to just weather the rest of the cast around them. We have Giannis, Chris, and Drew sort of fill in, but they're not true like one B guys, I wouldn't say. Um and then it's like this tension of you have to keep finding ways to get like veteran guys who are willing to come and then young talent who can keep the thing moving forward. We've missed the young talent thing year after year, after year, after year, after year. We have the occasional Dante who was fine, but netted us surge. Okay. That's, that's fine. I guess in like some seconds. Okay. That's not, that's, but like his contributions were somewhat limited. Jordan War was a miss. DJ Wilson was obviously a huge miss. Uh, and then even beyond that, there are other teams that are able to pick up like undrafted free agents. And to be fair, those are very rare teams that are able to do it. And it is hard to find them. But it just seems like our evaluating fringe talent that might have potential to grow into something uh, a little iffy. And that's that's just the culmination. We're an older team that's getting older, but that's because the part that's supposed to get you younger, we've missed on for like four or five years in a row now at this point. So maybe Marjan is like a new step in a different direction. Uh, we'll talk about the Summer League game in a little bit. But that's just the tension here. Is this not Joe Ingles specifically? It's the situation we've been setting ourselves in because we just cannot fill in those young guys who can move from the 10th guy up into the 7th or like eighth or seventh guy on the rotation even. It's just we, we've been missing that for so long. Well, I think that, I mean, that's why it's so easy to fetishize all the young guys, right? That, I mean, exactly. we're, we're we just clinging. looking. Yeah, exactly. Like, please, I, this guy is absolutely bust and he's going to be playing in Latvia in a couple months, but just let's see, <laughs> let's see, maybe it'll work At least here let's first have before some hope. he goes. Yeah, exactly. AJ, great. Where was this guy? I mean, this guy seems like he could light it up. <laughs> yeah. Keep him in the, keep him in. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, so I, okay, so you're you're definitely right, Riley. I mean, it's there's there's just flat out stupid stuff like no second round pick this year for the Bucks. Technically, I mean, they bought in whatever, but like Hugo Bassone honestly looked so terrible. I, I can't even imagine he is ever going to play for the team. But like, you lose your second round pick, you you do stuff where you know you might be trading someone a little bit at their their nadir, right? Like Dante isn't getting you that much. You like you said, you're. You're signing people hoping that they'll turn out. I mean, he's had two, a couple mid-career signings, right? Like Bobby Portis and Pat Connaughton mm-hmm. are uh, obviously huge free agency wins. But even like you look at the approach to free agency, something like, okay, last year, if you look at the Warriors, they got Otto Porter Jr. They got Gary Payton II. I mean, Gary Payton was like a, a crazy thing that he wound up working out. But then like, then this year they signed Dante DiVincenzo. So they go a little bit of the younger route. And I mean, you could say trying that with Shemi last year was maybe an attempt at recreating it. But I do think part of it is they probably feel like, okay, it's going to be hard for us to convince a lot of people to come here. Regardless, if you're like a young player, who's like 26, frankly, I don't know. I I love Milwaukee, but like, there's probably a lot of different markets. You could be like, okay, if I'm not going to make any money, maybe I'll go somewhere else. Um, But, and I think it also plays into the fact Kyle, that like we've seen this a few times with free agency where John Horst like does stuff really quickly. We saw it with like the Tony Snell uh, extension, which was like too much and happened too fast. And that was the same thing with everything here, including the Ingles signing. It was like it was all done before we could even like get on Twitter. Yeah, it was definitely one of those where by day three, it was like, okay, horses, even after like after night one, it was like, okay, he signed Bobby. I think that was the same day that. Joe Ingles was announced, and I don't know, and I think maybe Wes. So I was like, okay, he had those three. I was like, and then I was kind of like, all right, he's done. And I was like, all right, sure, why not? You have more or less your roster. And then Javon Carter was shortly after, and then I think the surge of Baca was just weird just because it did feel as though maybe Horse was like, hey, <laughs> I kind of think of Horse like texting his guys and be like, hey, did you guys announce that this one, this deal happened? And everyone was just like, oh, we thought you were joking. Like we just did it. We just left it alone for four days. And then all of a sudden it was like, no, that actually happened. And then like, Oh, by the way, send this over to Shams, let Shams report it. So it was interesting with horse doing that, but yeah, he has a tendency of trying to get his deals done and done quickly, 
you know, there's not a lot of moves, you know, even like the Grayson Allen trade last year, that was still pretty early on. It was like, and I think maybe it's just so that they can get these guys assimilated. It seems like Giannis is always one where he's going to fly some of them out to Greece and they're just going to hang out in Greece for some time. But it, it did feel as though horse knew what he had, what his plan was. Wait until it was announced, send it all out. And then by whatever, seven o'clock going into that Thursday night, like he was done and he just turned his phone off one on vacation. And I don't know, <laughs> I guess there's like a pro to that. Like, I guess that's like nice. Cause then it's like, you know, you have your business done you, and it helps when you don't really have to completely rebuild the roster. It's like, everyone is locked in, you know, you have Giannis, you have drew, you have Chris, you have Brooke. Pat had decided to opt in George already like most of the roster spots were already there and you're so like restrained cap wise that it's not like you can like go over here and try and do this negotiation to like get a star player it's not like you have to battle with other teams it's kind of like all right here's the deal if you want to take it if you don't that's fine we have other options it's kind of like that's all it is and I think that unlike like the year when he got drew I think maybe he had to do a little bit more gymnastics there because he thought he was going to get Bogdan and then when that didn't happen it was like okay now I gotta like reallocate and kind of like reassess and figure that out so then he kind of put together those moves it seemed like maybe he didn't have that set in stone because he thought he was just gonna get Bogdan while this year it's like all right get Bobby Portis back done okay cool throw this deal at West throw this deal at Javon I guess throw this deal at Serge Ibaka all right what do I do with this uh BAE or whatever Joe Ingles you want this yeah okay cool done Ultimately, it comes down to the fact that uh, we lost in, in seven games. Uh, yes, to the team that it ultimately went to the finals. But this this team, essentially the entire team that we saw lose that series, is back. And Chris will be back too, and that's fair. But that's just kind of hard for me to reconcile. Like, oh, all these guys who lost, we're, we're bringing them back. And it, we might not have had any better options. And so this is kind of what we have to do. The other thing I'm a little concerned about is... Um, I, I, and maybe it's just total stupid luck that we happened to win when Drew was here. To be fair, we almost lost like 30 times on that run to the title. So it's, it's not like we were really cruising. But um, when we start getting into this, I don't go into this assuming that Boonholzer is going to have like radically different approaches to pretty much anything on either end. Like, and how could he? He has the same exact personality as he did a year ago. So now we're going to fall into this thing again where it's like, okay, so now our team's going to be able to say, here are the tendencies from this literally almost exactly the same crew from last year. And they're going to run a lot of that. And now we can start making it even more difficult. You know, I wonder about that a little bit where it's like, we crash out in the bubble. How much of that is like, we just didn't want to be there versus other teams. Like, Oh, we know, we know what the bucks do. Like we know what to expect from them. It's the key guys do all the same thing. There's no variation. Like, is that going to be what happens with this group heading forward this next year where the talent might be there, but like are other teams able to more effectively game plan because they know all these guys, they know how they fit together. They know like the pecking order, stuff like that. So that's, that would be my other concern. Um, hopefully Boonholzer is able to impress us, but you know, his options are limited. Like he's got a bunch of 35 year old men. What are you going to, you going to teach them how to like do something crazy on defense? I don't think so. They're, the mind might be willing, but the body, maybe not so much. That's what I'd be worried about. Were there any other moves, I would say specifically in the East, Kyle, that made you feel any differently about any team in the, relation to the Bucks? The only th- move that like made me go, oh, okay, that's not ideal for Milwaukee. It's probably the Brogdon trade just because the Celtics were able to get a good player without having to give up much at all. So it's like, okay, well not great. And there was one thing the Celtics needed as evidence during the NBA finals was a actual point guard that won't turn the ball over 18 times a game. So to get that in Brogdon, yes, there's still questions about his health. You know, I think we're past that with him It's just more. They got, I mean, for what, for what little they gave up, it was kind of surprising where I was like, Oh, okay. That's, not ideal for Milwaukee's chances. Like it's not going to be the ultimate difference, but I think it does help Boston in terms of trying to still be one of the teams that's going to compete for the East. Otherwise it didn't feel like there's any other, I mean, Chicago basically going all in on this core is a choice. I would not have made that choice, but it is a choice. 
if you want to throw all that money to Zach Levine, okay. Like, I think we saw what the ceiling of that team was. It's on its good day can maybe, maybe be a four seed. And that's like it's ceiling as of right now. And I don't know if trying to throw all that money at DeRozan and Levine and Vucevic, like throwing all these money at these guys to have your ceiling be fourth is ideal. But you know what? It's better than what they've been for the past more or less 10 years. So, like, I guess, like, if that's what it's going to take to get fans to be interested again, so be it. But no, not, there wasn't really any, that many other moves out east that I was like, well, that's not great. I mean, like I said, New York going all in on Jalen Brunson, whatever. I guess Deontay Murray going to Atlanta is interesting just to see, like, how they mesh. And I think, again, it's just more of a Atlanta offensively is going to be really good, but there's a lot of questions on defense. So I guess that's, like, the other move that I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Uh, I want somebody, a faithful listener, to go back. Let's clip that Kyle Carr clip. Kyle Carr says Malcolm Brogdon is a good player, which means I think ultimately I might have won the debate. Besides that, uh, (laughs) which means I'm also now a Celtics fan because my favorite player and person in the world is Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, Generally agree with Kyle. They're just like, it looks increasingly like okay the nets are obviously exploding uh even if they don't end up for whatever hilariously if they don't trade katie and Kyrie, there's no way that's gonna you know that's just it's not gonna work so just write the nets off as another freak show season for them so then it comes down to like us boston and philadelphia philadelphia has like they haven't won anything and the did they fire Doc Rivers? They had to have fired him, right? No. Did that ever happened? No, they decide they're also going to <laughs> No, but they're gonna keep back. him back. <laughs> and James Harden came back. Does that okay? Well, that's it's okay. So I'm gonna write the Sixers off as well, because they're gonna hire some dude mid-season and it's gonna be a disaster. So then it's like us and the Celtics. Um, and you know, like Kyle said, it kind of comes down to if Brogdon's healthy or not, how real real is the Jason Tatum uh, rise that we saw this past playoffs. Um, But no, there was no other like big move that I saw that I was like, Oh, this is going to be, this team's going to be a problem for us. Really. I I think like the Cavs will be somewhat promising. The Pistons aren't going to, I mean, they'll be awful, but maybe they'll be slightly less awful. Uh, Pacers going to be awful. Like I'm just looking through teams. The heat, I think this past year was like, that was the chance. I don't, I mean, they're good. You want to talk about old, old and overpaid. (laughs) They're taking it to a different level. So I looking across like the Eastern conference, especially um, no team really was like, Oh, we have to be super concerned. Like they made a big move that alters everything. It seems most teams stayed relatively level where they were previously in terms of talent they have available. Can I, 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 I love I love PJ Tucker I think but can I just ask a real quick question are we will we always just like PJ Tucker regardless of if he keeps moving to some of the teams that we despise I just you I just what I just want to ask I think I'm okay because it's not like he was a ultimate difference maker last year so that has eased the sting and like mm-hmm. pain like and again it wasn't that he decided to leave right. it was right. kind of the Bucks but he did choose Miami. He did choose Miami as a maybe it was an FU. It didn't work. Now he's going to Philly. And you know what? I actually am more in favor of this because Philly, for some reason, gave him a lot of money that they shouldn't. And I'm okay with that because that's not going to pay off for them. Uh, I will always respect PJ Tucker because my man got blown off the face of the earth in downtown Milwaukee <laughs> on like a random Thursday. He was playing billiards with randos at, at bars on, on water street. I mean, amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, and it, Kyle's right. It didn't work out in Miami. I actually like him going to Philadelphia because he's like a guy who obviously not suffer any fools. And that is a team full from top to bottom with fools. And I cannot imagine that going well. So uh, I appreciate him continuing to get the bag. And pretty much anybody who won the title with us, you know, untouchable at this point. Uh, you're in lore. Even Jeff Teague, who I saw somebody fan post about recently, was like, who's better, George Hill or Jeff Teague in the backup point guard role right now? I was like, well, I know the answer to that question, even if Jeff Teague is an NBA champion for the Milwaukee Bucks. So I, I respect P.J. Tucker regardless, even if he is making questionable post-Bucks career choices. Okay, that's fair. Just like two other quick rapid fire free agency things. Dante to the Warriors. Kyle, your thoughts? You know what? The Warriors got a winner. They, they got a guy that 
a winner joining a winner. Can't be mad about that. Like, good on Dante. He's betting on himself. He's staying out west. Like, he's gonna he's gonna do great. He's gonna have such low expectations, and I can't wait for when Warriors fans get pissed off at Dante missing in a layup when he could have just passed it to Steph. But you know what? A winner going to a winner, it makes sense. Yeah, he's, he saw that Kings organization. He's like, I need something a little better than this. And they went to a championship pedigree. If if you went into our group chat, as soon as, I think it was uh, Van who shared the news, I put in 30 crying, laughing emojis. Like, this is so, it's like a AI-generated headline, like Dante DiVincenzo signs with NBA title winner Warriors or whatever. Uh, it'll be great. I saw, I read an article that was like, oh, he'll be a great signing because... He can really like defend and he hits, he like defends the perimeter. He can shoot from the perimeter. I was like, shoot from the perimeter. When did that happen? I, I must've missed that happening. Cause that didn't happen in this four years in Milwaukee, but you know, I'm sure they will turn him into like a 45% three point shooter. Cause most guys they touch turn to gold in golden state. So good luck to Dante. Hopefully bets on himself and gets paid. Uh, Cause we did him dirty sending him to the Kings and the Kings are like, ah, eh, we don't want to pay you. So good luck to that guy. Uh, okay, and then Jordan Wara was offered the qualifying offer from Milwaukee. Any feelings either way, Kyle, on what happens with <laughs> Jordan Wara? No feelings because I feel like if he, he's going to end up taking the qualifying offer because if he had gotten something better, he would have taken it by now. So uh, I expect Jordan Wara to come back. Uh, if I was John Horace, I'd rescind it. We don't, we don't need it. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, we're not, we're not gonna, let's talk. You want to talk cutthroat? You let, you let, <laughs> you let Jordan Wara sit all through free agency. And then right at the end, you're like, actually psych, I'm taking the qualifying offer back. Um, I'm sure Kyle is right that he will be back and, it'll be something I'm sure he, I, he'll be included in a trade at some point. Uh, though I guess I thought about DJ Wilson. We said that every single year with DJ Wilson and it <laughs> never happened. So uh, maybe, or wait, did we end up trading DJ? We did, didn't we? We did. End, yeah. He did end up getting traded. Yeah. Who do we trade him for? I it remember. was the Tucker, PJ Tucker deal. Oh, okay. I, re- I, well, remember, okay. I remember because my coworker who was a Rockets fan was like, wow, Wilson has a little bit of, you know, floater touch to his game. He went off. Last no, he night. does not. Like, yeah, Jesus yeah, yeah. Christ. Uh-huh. What is happening yeah, down yeah. there? Oh no. Yeah. So this is going to be, hopefully, Jordan Wara's ideal role is just being DJ Wilson for our next title run. Trade filler, going to whatever hellhole so that we can get a good player. So good luck. Salute to you, Wara. You went uh, you went overseas with Giannis. You sat sidelined in Vegas. That, it's very strange stuff. Speaking of Vegas, we're going to take a real quick break. On the other side of this, we'll talk about the first summer league game for the Milwaukee Bucks. So stay tuned. All right, we're back. First summer league game with what I I've deemed the most intriguing Milwaukee Bucks summer league roster in years, many, many years. And and the sad part is there's only one first round pick on it. And it's mostly made up of random people who have barely touched the team, but we got a 94 90 victory. That's two years in a row. The Milwaukee Bucks have beat the Brooklyn Nets uh, to open summer league. If you remember last year, everything went awful from then on. So uh, we'll see how it goes for the Bucks the rest of the way. In this one, we got the debut of Marjan Bochamp, who had 16 points, three rebounds, one assist. Mamu had 17 points. Uh, Lindell Wigginton, 17.7 assists, also a contract at halftime. AJ Green, the sharpshooter, 14 points, four of eight from deep. Riley, you watched this game. What? Uh, let, let's talk about Marjan Bochamp. First and spend, let's spend a little bit of time dedicated on him before we talk to everyone else. What stood out to you from his uh, Bucks debut? It's a shame you went there because I was going to just turn right back to you and get the Mamu mentality, the breakdown on that. I guess we can push that down a little bit. I'm going to have to push it down. We do have to create a new bumper for uh, for Mamu segments now that Dante's gone. <laughs> so I'm going to leave that to you, Adam. Not that you already have too much on your plate as it is, but you know, whenever you get a chance to work on that. Uh, back to Marshawn. Shaky to start. Everybody looked awful to start. I think we we gave up like a 13, 13, 16, 16 to them. four at one yeah. at, within like the first few minutes. I was getting, I was sweating. I was like, this is just like game three of the Eastern's conference semifinals where we got blown the doors off. I was like, our season's over. We're, we're doomed. So I got similar feelings. And then thankfully the summer league team uh, fought back. Marjan in particular looked, um, 
a little out of sorts to start. Like everybody looked out of sorts, so it's not like it was particular to him. But like nobody really knew what their defensive assignment was. He clearly he has not been told, or he didn't feel comfortable being like, "Oh, I'm going to be the guy that gets shots up," because uh, he didn't really take that many attempts. He was pretty quick, like pass it off to somebody else, which is fine. Uh, while like Luca would just turn it over, he'd pass it to Luca, who would turn it over doing something stupid, um, and then. Second quarter onwards, I thought he really started to click on both ends of the floor. The close of the second quarter, he was doing stuff where in summer league games, what stands out, yes, there are guys who like have great jumpers or like a high lottery pick who like really puts it together right away. If you're not one of those guys, what I want to see a la like Giannis is like, are you a bit of a chaos agent in in the chaos, to, like as close to unstructured pickup basketball as it gets in the NBA, in the summer league, can you make moments happen? And Marjan was able to do that on both ends of the floor. Uh, he had a couple of like good threes, uh, like a dagger three at the end. He His dribble is as loose as it gets. And yet, in spite of that, he would like bounce it off of someone. And yet he was able to like recover the ball, spin, and still get like a good shot attempt up. Um, like he, his attack at the rim, like the, we saw flashes a couple of times of what he would do where he, he like hangs for quite a bit to be able to alter his shot to get a slightly better shot attempt near the rim. Um, so I was, I like that on defense, the number of times that the Nets tried to challenge him, like you are a guy who's like sort of like small forwardy size, a wing size. Here's Cam Johnson. I think, can you guard him on the perimeter? This guy who's like a legit NBA player or whatever. And he, he stood firm pretty much every single time. And if Cam Johnson or whoever got the blow by, Marjan has the foot speed or the recovery to kind of like still chase behind, make it difficult. Like it's not going to be an easy floater or something. He got in front, altered a couple shots, had like, I think a, a block as well. So um, there was a lot of flashes where in the chaos of summer league, can you do something that's positive consistently? He did that on both ends. We have to watch out the fact that he's our first young guy in forever to not be like, this guy is the next coming of hall of fame player. But <laughs> I thought for his first like 28 minutes, pretty promising. Uh, he, he looked like he had a, a spot, like he, he was deserving of being on the floor. So that was given how little we knew about the guy. I think that's a promising development for sure. It was interesting just because with Marjan, it was kind of a, I didn't expect him offensively to be as decent as he was. Like I, I figured defensively he would do what he needed to. It's summer league's kind of more of like, can you just not get cooked 24 seven? It's not like teams are actively hunting you out. It's not like they're scheming anything. It's just a matter of, can you guard your person? And he did. And then, yeah, Riley, I agree with the dribbling. I was, I, I think it was more like a Jordan war. Where I was like, you, you cannot get away with this. And yet he did. We'll see what happens in the next couple of summer league games, how much of that works out. But at least I didn't expect him to hit like his shots. Not that broken. Like I thought when like I heard like he is not a good shooter. I was like, OK, well, he just has like a broken jump shot. It's like, no, it's not that broken. Actually, you were like, like expecting Michael Kidd Gilchrist levels style of like. Jumper, right. I, like I'm just so used to if someone says they can't shoot, it's like Giannis where it's just like this is clearly not going to go in. And I don't know why you're shooting, at least with Marjan, it's like. Yeah, he might shoot 30%, but that actually might. I'm like, I might even creep up to like 32, 33. Like, there is a possibility there. But I think the biggest thing for me was he didn't look overwhelmed. He didn't look, he kind of looked like, he didn't look like a rookie. And I mean, granted, he's been playing in the G League, so that has helped. He has played against other professionals. So I think that has helped his maturation and at least handling that learning curve as opposed to a guy like Hugo Basoan. He looked a little rough in those nine minutes. So, like, you can definitely tell, like, with having someone that has played against professionals against someone that hasn't really, there was a stark difference. So, I, I think it was encouraging. Um, I don't know if he's going to be a – he's going to be in a playoff rotation, but at the very least, like, I would not be surprised if he is one of the guys that gets consistent minutes in the regular season because he could still defend. And if he – tightens up the dribble a little bit i think he could be like i still think he's best used as kind of like what the nasas would do just cut be in the dunker spot get your points that way get out of the way but it was good to see there is something to this game like this is not like no i'm not gonna say we got our future right here problem solved but i at least feel like yes this guy could play in the regular season and it would not be a disaster 
I, I will say the optimism of Bucks fans remains un, not like not stifled at all because after this game, people were like, "Look, Marjan, Drew, Giannis, nobody's scoring on us." I was like, <laughs> we've seen we've seen him for twenty five minutes in a game that has zero stakes and will not matter at all. I can't believe Adam was able to remember the, like the record of the team last year, even. So uh, I feel like I every appreci- Bucks summer league team wins one game and one game only. That's usually the case. So hopefully this bucks it. But I will. Ju- I just want to say shout out to all the optimists. Uh, there were promising signs, but we can pump the brakes a little bit. What did you think, Adam, from his debut? The thing that stuck out to me is how. And it's, I mean, I don't. I don't know anything about these prospects. But the thing that stood out to me was how much he looked like every single basic uh, draft breakdown was about him. It was like can can do a lot can do a lot of stuff defensively like pretty athletic you know he'll be able to to dunk and do all that kind of stuff as a passer has seems to have no feel for the ball loses the ball at random times for some reason doesn't seem to know what happens uh shot is kind of wonky but sometimes it goes in so you know you could see like the, the nice thing was you could still see the pluses you could see the potential positives for why people would want to draft him. You, know, you, you want to at least see that when you see your, your prospect out there. And then, so when you also see the negatives, that helps gives you something to, to bounce off of him. I thought defensively, I, he was, he looked bigger, honestly, than I thought he was going to be even at like six, six. And I was trying to line him up with like, so AJ green is apparently six, four and Marjan is six, six. And granted, Marjan has a much wide, like, obviously a longer wingspan. It's like, they're like two different, just like completely two different, um, you know, just like people. body types. Yeah, body yeah, types. Yeah. Like, it like looks, yeah. it's crazy to me. So he looked, he looked bigger than I thought. Uh, he got some, he seemed to be using the Summer League 10 foul thing pretty liberally. He got a few, a few rough fouls. But you could see him shadow, um, you know, the, the net scorer cam pretty well. He, there were a few times where he forced him into a turnover, forced him into really tough step backs. One t- even one time, like you were saying, Riley, he gambled a bit too much, guessed that he was going to go left. Um, Cam got him on a, on, a, on a crossover, was driving in, but Marjan was able to recover and sort of disrupt um, his ability to get the shot off. He had the weak side blocks. He had that offensive rebound late in the game, I think in the fourth quarter, that he grabbed and then really quickly put it back up and like wasn't blocked at the rim or blocked by another Nets defender uh, and his finishing was really good last year. So it was really nice to see all of those sort of flashes from him. Who knows what the shot's going to end up being like, but uh, I, I would say overall, I like as a, this obviously, yes, pump the brakes on the optimism. Like I, I was impressed by his ability actually off the dribble, not in that he has a good handle or anything like that, but he, he was pretty quick. Uh, in terms of getting to the basket, like much better as a driver than I thought he was going to be. Like I kind of figured he would either just not be able to get past people or, or drive uh, or keep his handle tight enough to get past people. But he did that a few times and, um, you know, at least got to the rim. So I, I don't think he has any feel for reading the game as a passer right now. I thought he made some really rough passes and there was one awful inbounds play late where he like just threw it completely away from everyone else and turned the ball over. But I think was, I think last firstism in the comment section on the either the thread or the recap was like most promising Bucks rookie summer league debut since Giannis as for a first mm-hmm. rounder. I would say Brogdon probably in terms of just overall players, Brogdon was the only other person I could think of that like looked this competent in summer did league. You, did Jabari show out? I can't remember if he I, had. I'm sure he, he was okay. I'm sure he was, was fine. Okay. Yeah, because it was probably yeah. him. But he probably had a Wiggins. higher expectation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pick. yeah, yeah. So I mean, you you have to come away just saying, okay. I mean, this was went way better than it could have gone from what we've mm-hmm. seen in the past. So I guess that was my main takeaway from it. What we saw, and this is really special, I think, for a lot of Bucks fans, is we saw Marjan go out there and show some of that community college range that we knew <laughs> Adam had looked at the stats. We didn't have the number, but we looked at the stats, and we knew he was a better shooter than he showed in the G League. And he went out and he showed us that. And that's a special moment for everybody at home watching along. Um, and then we also had other people on the roster. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Ma- Mamu 
17 points for don't don't get okay, it twisted no. he was he was horrendous for three <laughs> okay, of the game. he was really no, bad i got a huge bone to pick with you riley i saw this comment on the on the <laughs> recap you went in deep on mamu i mean uh, uh, you talk about kyle was just talking about jabari's expectations being high and why he's probably not there same <laughs> yeah, thing for go. mamu same yeah, thing yeah, for mamu exactly here right. coming in he looked bigger looked more built this year for some reason, that has not stopped people from piling through him every single time they drive. I like honestly, I don't know if there's a player in the league who has a better contest rate than Mamu to percentage of shots that just absolutely go in, no matter if he's contesting them or not. Like he he must have like a one hundred percent finishing rate <laughs> at the rim with opponents against him. It is absolutely insane. But um, uh, Mamu Riley, you seem to you know think he looked absolutely horrendous. Um, you know, I just want you to sort of expound on that. All I'm saying is if the bird's going to be tweeting, twittering <laughs> at me about how he wants to get out of the cage, show me something in summer league, brother. That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. He made like some threes late. Uh, I really, <laughs> I love summer league cause it's literally anything goes for shot selection. Cause there was a couple of possessions where it's like Mamu on the wing, or like baseline backing a guy down and does like a turnaround fading jumper. I'm like, that should never happen. Vint Baker should pull him immediately for that crap. Uh, <laughs> I just thought he was bad. I don't know. He like, <laughs> he, he was not like a force defensively, which is fine. He never has been. He is like, for a guy his size, he has T-Rex arms relatively. Um, and then like on offense, I was hoping he would like, create a little bit for other guys or like more competently score. Um, I just really, <laughs> I don't know. I just was expecting more from the guy. And part of the issue, I think, I don't know if it was, I might've been R983 or Stone Nature. Somebody else in the comments is like, Oh, I've been expecting him to be bigger, but literally the season and like a month ago. So how much like more jacked is this guy going to get from like end of the season to today? So I don't, hold that against him so much because there's just only so much time he can be working out but uh it was you know just bonehead plays and stuff which is fine it's summer league but uh i was not (laughs) like blown away like oh mom was definitely gonna lay claim to somewhere on uh on the rotation except for injury minutes again so that was just those are my mom thoughts is all nothing no offense to him personally yeah he was fine like i I feel like (laughs) I don't think he was as bad as Riley is stating. Like, he was okay. You know, I think he shot the ball well. I think offensively he is still – there's better decision-making that has happened, but I think offensively he was as advertised, so that was fine. It, it, defensively, I agree, is kind of more the – yeah, you you still need another, like, year of the Giannis and Kubo workout plan because you're not quite there yet, and that's – not ideal, but I think that's more the bigger issue. It's like, okay, if you're going to be like, you're too small to play a five, but you don't have the speed and like the lateral quickness to be a four. So it's like you have to, you either need to somehow get faster or you need to learn how to bulk up or, or at least play more with your size. And I think that's kind of the tougher part for him is he, he still has a way to go on that end, but I, I offensively, think kinda... offensively, I, I have no qualms. Like he was, yeah, that's what I want from him offensively. I think for him, he he can kind of feel the pressure a little bit. Like I think he has high expectations for himself, which is fine. But there would be times where like a mistake would happen defensively, offensively, or like a shot wouldn't go, or he felt like a foul call didn't go his way or whatever. And then he would like do like, you know, some s- stupid thing to like, get called for a foul or whatever like okay i mean it's summer league game literally game one uh maybe you have some beef with one of the nets guys for whatever reason or something but I, it's just he's in he's like the perfect two-way guy because he can do a little bit of everything which is exactly right for somebody who's going to be in the g league a lot um but his physical limitations are just going to make it really hard for him to find a spot at least you know, God only knows. He'll probably go to the Warriors and become a four-time champion. But assuming that doesn't happen, um, <laughs> it, it just seems like his limitations are too wide for him to find, like Kyle said, a, like a proper spot. Maybe I am being too harsh. But again, you're, he's he's the grizzled vet among the crew, you know. I mean, you got razzle-dazzle Luca, but Mamu's like the guy. <laughs> Everybody talks about Mamu. Mamu mentality, for God's sake. We have the hashtag named after him. We expect more from Mamu, that's all. Yeah. 
I was kind of, yeah, I was kind of hoping he'd come in and he'd be one of the one of the few too good for summer league guys. But uh, that was not, <laughs> we're not there yet. Yes. We're not no, there no. Yet. <laughs> yeah, maybe in his fourth summer league when he's like one of those dudes who's like, I'm here like for a my DJ fifth Wilson. summer league. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, the one thing <clears throat> he did go four or five from deep, which like he couldn't make a three to save his life last year. So that and he shot pretty well from three during the actual season. So it's true. If he's just going to be a guy who I don't know, like a. Bielitsa or like one of those guys who just, you know, can't defend to save their life. But if he, if he hits like 42% or something from three somehow, like that's something, you know, he would be able to carve out something. I think it's so hard for these guys who are like two way guys to find the development because you're obviously when you go to Oshkosh, you're like, I'm going to just eat like, and, or I'm going to be get garbage time. And the same thing, like, I'm just going to do silly things with Thanasis for five minutes until this game is over, which is fun and everything. But to like figure out your specific, like what's your one skill you're going to develop to such a high level that you can find that second contract or whatever. It's got to be hard for these two-way guys to like find where that balance is. And so, yes, he goes and he's like, I'm going to dominate and doesn't. And it's like, well, I mean, do we expect anything else? I guess if you're still like a master or like good at everything, jack of all trades, master of none sort of thing. So it's, it's, it's really, and especially for him, I think someone who was like a lead ball creator in college, yes. which like is yeah. so clearly not going to be what he's doing here. So when all of it, when he's doing that, like every other day in Oshkosh and then coming to the bucks and like getting his face beat in over and over by the regular mm-hmm. roster. Yeah. That's gotta be hard. Um, so, you know, there's still a couple more games for Mamu. We'll, we'll see what he can bring. Anyone else, Kyle, that we'll, we'll, we could touch on everyone, but was anyone else like a standout for you before I do a couple la- late roster rapid fires? I mean, I'm very happy that AJ Green was as advertised and a dude that could shoot and it showed that, okay, he can get hot and hit a couple shots. So that was nice. It's going to be great come uh, postseason when everyone else can't hit a three and everyone's going to be like, all right, let's just throw AJ Green out there. We got to We got to <laughs> take the chance. You got to put AJ Green out there. He can shoot. Like, we know no one else can hit a shot. And I'll probably be one of those people who, like, fuck it, throw him out there because no one else can hit a three. So that was kind of cool on that end. Like, he had that stretch in the second quarter where he was just hitting three after three and then disappeared. But at least he was as advertised. Like, if we're going to give a roster spot to someone and you're telling me, oh, this guy can shoot, well, so far, so good. <laughs> Um, he functionally can do nothing else on a basketball court, though. But so Adam just said he's six foot four. I would have guessed five foot eight, seven maybe. <laughs> he looked like a tiny guy, and his arms. You want to talk about T Rex arms with Mamu? Again, nothing personal on any of these guys. He can shoot. I love that he did the like heat check threes. That's a lot of fun. Like he then I don't think there was a single defensive possession I watched where he didn't know where he was supposed to be. There was literally not a single one. You do like awe off ball action. He's like, he might as well, he might as well just walk to the sideline and just let the other guys uh, move around up there. So that's fine. Uh, Wigginton plays conservatively as like a creator. He doesn't really, he's not a flashy passer, but he can create for himself fine. Uh, I think he's, there's nothing functionally that he does that Javon can't do. So I'm sure he's probably, I know we resigned him, but I don't know if he'll be around for a while. Uh, and literally, yeah, I know you're going to rapid fire right now, so you can just get to that, uh, Adam, but nobody else really, I liked, um, the, not Hernandez, whoever the other guy with the headband was, um, Cheatham or Chatham, Chatham. I I liked, he's not a guy who's going to obviously make our roster or anything. I liked the way that he played given his skill set. Like it was like, Oh, this guy's like functional and knows what he's doing like knows his role. He doesn't play like way over the top. Cause again, and this is so easy for somebody who's like, I have to make a roster. I'm like really pushing to make a roster. He played to his strengths. I liked him. I even liked Hernandez. I thought he was, he was fine as well. So a lot of the other guys who probably might be Oshkosh or other G league team bound. Uh, I thought they did pretty fine, which is, was a good base to end up pulling through for the win uh, after we weathered the initial storm. Yeah. AJ green. I liked when he was hitting all his threes I felt bad for him. I felt bad for him, honestly, when the Nets like trapped him in the backcourt and he had to show that he could dribble. It honestly felt like a, like one of those tough. fifth like those fifth grade scrimmages where people when the team start trapping and you that would happen all the time. I couldn't dribble very well, so the team would score like ten straight points against me because they would keep stealing it. Uh, that was bad. I was just thinking of the end when 
the Bucks had to inbound, and I was like, okay, give it to the guy who could shoot free throws. So they gave it to AJ Green, and then they just didn't fall right away. So he just came totally <laughs> backward and backwards, and then he just got <laughs> trapped and then called for a travel. It's like, that's yeah, tough. Ugh, that's yep. Tough. He probably wasn't expecting that he actually had to dribble. He figured they're going to follow him right away, and nope. <laughs> I mean, in his defense, Clay Thompson doesn't dribble much either. So, you know, there's still that future for him. All right. Let's do rapid fire through some of the other stand, other standouts with quotes. Uh, Vildoza, Riley, what did you think of our guy, Luca? Disappointing. Razzle Dazzle's fun when Thanasis is the guy catching the ball and you're up 55 points on the Bulls with zero minutes left. He has no future in Milwaukee. It's like <laughs> an actual, an actual legit. He's a lot of fun if he wants to. Live it out in Oshkosh. <laughs> God bless you. Have fun. I was deeply disappointed with what he was doing. He just didn't create for like anybody. The number of like weird over the top passes. <laughs> like this is clearly not going to work at this level at all. So uh, disappointing from Luca. Also, he called his own number a lot. It's like, I was what are you doing? <laughs> well, I was, it was just strange. We were down like like ten points, and Luca's like, "I'm just going to keep Jack and threes. I'm like, Could, at least have somebody else set you up for like a cash and shoot, dude. So uh, not a great performance. I, I the vibes were there. He had a couple good times, <laughs> like in the third or fourth quarter. So like, that was cool. The vibes were there. And that's more, that's apparently I'm the biggest buck summer league hater that's ever lived. <laughs> I didn't say he played well. I just said he, <laughs> he it liked was the fun vibes. to watch and yeah. uh, the vibes. And like I said, he had a couple dimes and that was otherwise. Yeah. I, as much as I would love for him to be there just for the fun factor, I, I don't see him taking any, um, even if he does make a roster, he is never, he, it is garbage time seeing the court. No, I will say the Luka Mamu pick and roll was woefully not there. I don't know why they didn't run it more. They like did, they barely did Jack. They tried it like once and it worked. It's just stupid. Vin Baker was scowling a lot. He's like, this isn't going to plan. He's like, I told them just to do that one move and they're not doing it. So sorry, My, Vin. Yeah, I loved when they, they like kept turning it over at the end and they just kept cutting to Vin and he isn't making any expression at all. He's just not, he's not, not going to call a timeout just like, just as I taught him. All right. Yeah. Next one, Rajon Tucker, anything on him, Riley? Um, he was. Did he? Yeah, go. go he was really go. quiet, and that was disappointing. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. Defe- kind of he was good defensively, but like I yeah. expected one highlight dunk, and I just like I, I feel like he for someone that seems to have been one of the better players. I was very underwhelmed defensively. He had a couple good moments though. Uh, I was confused. I didn't know that was Rajon. So it was like Tucker. I was like, oh, this guy, you know, he looks like a portly guy. He must be related to PJ. I was like, that's Rajon <laughs> Tucker. Doesn't he look like a little heavier than he has been in the past? I don't know. What was it? Maybe that was affecting him. But yes, that was when I found out it was Rajon. I was like, oh, no, what happens? You're supposed to be like the dunk guy, like the cut t- defenses up dunk guy. He's kind of always perpetually been stuck in like no man's land as well. So uh, hopefully he turns around. But uh, unfortunate. Once I found out I was saying, I was like, oh, that's that's not great for him. All right, Kyle, your guy Hugo. What do you think? Uh, I'm saying <laughs> you're a big Hugo fan. I'm sure. Um, he's got to do better. Let's just, let's just leave it at that. He's got to do better. Uh, he, he was even more undersized than I expected him to be. Um, he, he's supposed to be 6'5". He looked like he was 4'10". No, it, he didn't. It was... that, there is lying. There is <laughs> There's some lying happening. Men, men lie, women lie, Hugo Bassan's agent lies. That's what all that means. Uh, it was really, yeah, not great from him. He will continue to thrive in Australia. Yeah, it says he's supposed to be 6'5". That is absolutely lying. wrong. I have never seen someone look that small on a basketball court. Holy crap. Okay. Did, he do a, did he do a positive thing? I don't remember. I don't think I, so. That's the problem. He needs no. to do better because I he only played nine minutes. And you know what? He wasn't missed. Yeah, we, we we will absolutely hear his name in trade talks uh, six years down the line. We're yeah, trading yeah, the yeah. rights to Hugo Besson, yes, so prepare absolutely. for that. And I think we got to close it out on this. So we'll clear the clear the runway for you, Riley. Uh, Matthew Hurt, number forty-two. <laughs> okay, so he went. To, where did he play college at? No he idea. Played, I've never heard of him. Well, he played like a Duke or something. Like he was like a he went to a blue blood college. So I'm like somebody was like, oh, Matthew Hurt. He's like a bounce back candidate or something one guy no, he played at duke 
he we need to work on the haircut how did nobody else on the team his teammates were bad teammates nobody said anything to him literally that roster of like 20 guys nobody pulled matthew hurt and said my friend we have to work on this one of the worst haircuts i've ever seen uh functionally i thought he was fine you want to talk about busted jumpers i mean he made the threes but it's just like (laughs) classic tall guy like gets the ball above his head doesn't move it at all and just flicks it we need to get Giannis on that diet really uh really the only thing noticeable was that he had maybe the worst hair on anybody i've seen in a very long (laughs) time i like please go go look for pictures folks i'm not kidding it's it's that bad it was that bad uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh he's out of rochester minnesota i just saw that well cool all right (laughs) well that was that was the buck summer league um okay last thing so it's uh before we go it's of course we can't do this for quite a long time but it's time for predictions so the bucks have three (laughs) 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 yes um a few summer league games okay so uh, monday night they're away against the celtics and then they have two home games in a row, one against the Timberwolves, one against the Mavericks Summer League team. And then I think they play one more game. But uh, Kyle, what do you have the Bucks Summer League team going this week? <sighs> I'm honestly trying to decide like, how <laughs> irrational I'm going to be. You know what? No, let's just be real. It's got to be in true Bucks fashion. They're only winning one Summer League game, and they've already gotten their win. <laughs> Let, let's just keep – we got to keep consistency. Uh, I, I want to believe in the team and because there's no stakes besides whatever stakes we put on it, I think they're going to go all the way. I think they're going to win the rest of their games against, <laughs> Hey, they were able to survive going down like 12 points. And I thought for sure I was going to have to turn the game off. Cause like we lost, we lost. And yet they showed grit and tenacity as a team. Uh, and Marjan looked like he could be a player one day. He could be a player who could be a role player for the Milwaukee Bucks, in the words of Kyle Carr, draft expert. So I will expect them for no reason whatsoever, other than good vibes, that they will win all the games and be there for the vaunted Summer League Championship game at some point this week. Yeah, I'm going to go one and two, Boston. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know. We'll see how they do. Uh, But this has been our discussion of the Bucks Summer League. We'll see how they finish it out. Bucks free agency as well. Shouldn't be many moves left if there are any to come for the season. It'll probably be a bit of a dead period for us from the podcast realm. I'm sure you'll hear from us again in a few weeks. We'll reconvene when when stuff starts to percolate again. But until then, go to brewhoop.com for any uh, random offseason coverage that we have. Uh, share the podcast with your friends if they want to get back on board when we start pushing it again as the season comes closer. But until then, thanks for listening.